what have we here? Those are the iconic words of Lando Calrissian in Star Wars Episode V, The Empire Strikes Back, played by legendary actor Billy D. Williams. Hello, what have we here? Welcome, I'm Lando Calrissian. I'm the administrator of this facility. And who might you be? Leia. Welcome, Leia. And those words also make up the title of Williams' new memoir. In What Have We Here? Portraits of a Life, the actor tells stories from his decades-long career. The moments and opportunities, he says, changed the trajectory of his life and the legacy that he hopes to leave behind. Now joining us now is the man himself, Billy D. Williams. Welcome to WBEZ and to Reset. Well, thank you for having me. So I want to start with something that you mentioned toward the end of your book. Uh, this is a recurring dream that you said that you've been having lately, where you're you're saying goodbye to friends, you're walking to your car, but you can't find the car, and that's got you lost and confused. So uh, can you tell us more about how you're interpreting that dream and, and what you think it means? I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do have that reoccurring dream. And it's been going on for a number of years now. I, I don't understand it. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah, you said it has you uh, unsettled and thinking about your legacy, which my feeling is is sort of part of the reason we're here, right? Is is that maybe something that led you down the path of writing a memoir? Well, you know, I'm at I'm at that age now. I think you know when you know you start thinking in terms of legacy. You know, what do I say about my life? One thing, you know, when we're questioning our lives. We get so mired these days in particular in the you know, one thing or the other. When we talk black, it's either black or it's white. Mm -hmm. But my life has been a very eclectic kind of life. And my life is always sort of incorporates everything and everybody. I mean, I see myself as the, uh, the full spectrum of colors. And to me, that gives me a real sense of creativity. And it makes life a lot more fun yeah. rather than choosing one thing or the other. Yeah, to that end, I mean, that, that fun comes across when reading your memoir, right? Your your charm comes across, also your, your carefree sense of humor. Uh, and I think that in writing the story of our lives, other people might find themselves in a somber space and reliving struggles and traumas. But with you, we're getting how much fun you had. Uh, on this journey. So so is is that right? Has it been more laughs than tears? Yeah, I would say so, yeah. You know, I, I, I think of myself as a walking absurdity, which is a good place to start. <laughs> a walking I mean, absurdity. Yeah, you know, it's it's like I, I put no, there's no period to my life. It continues to go on and on and on and on. You've had quite the life uh, so far, you know, with, with casts of, of the most colorful characters, I'm talking about everyone from James Caan to James Baldwin. But it all started from a young age, right? You walk into the elevator in your family's building, and there's a, a famous jazz singer, Sarah Vaughn. Meanwhile, your mom just happens to be friends with the Lena Horn. I mean, was that just part of the glamour of New York back in the 40s and 50s? Well, I never thought of it when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, so for me, it was not glamour. I mean, yeah, I guess it was glamour, but I didn't think about it and terms of glamour i mean it was just well lena horn was my mom they grew up together and his her daughter used to uh, when she, lena was on the on the road uh, she would 
stay with us at, at our house or apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, as far as everybody else is concerned, there was a building that my uncle lived in and my godmother. And uh, that's where I remember seeing uh, Sarah Vaughn and Hazel Scott. They yes. both were in that building. But I mean, ever since I was a child, I mean, starting with uh, a Broadway musical written by Gert Weil. Yes. Uh, At seven and, years old, you were only a yes. child. And, yeah. And, uh, you know, and being surrounded with those people was just something because of my mother, who was an aspiring. Uh, she had dreams of being a movie star, and she studied opera for many years. Mm -hmm. uh, but and my her brother, my uncle Bill, I mean, he was uh, in show business. Uh, he was a classical musician. I don't know. It's just things that it's just very much a part of my life. I, I guess I I took it for granted. Well, yeah, I, I think maybe some of that connectedness is part of what pulled you to this this life on stage, but I, I've heard you joke about uh, when referencing that gig when you were only seven years old, you said, I cried my way back to the stage because I, I loved it so much. I cried well, my mom, way mom, back. Well, mommy mommy took me to the audition. She was working for uh, Ben Boyer and Max Gordon. They were producers and Broadway managers at the Lyceum Theater. And she was working as a uh, elevator operator. And then uh, they were planning to do this musical the Court Vile musical, the, the Fire Brown of Florence. But anyway, they, they they needed a little boy for the a part that I played, which was the page boy. And I went and auditioned. And I walked across stage one time, walked across stage two times, and they said, fine, that's great. Yeah. But I, I, I was smitten, and I wanted to do it the third time. And they wouldn't let me do it, so I started crying. And Aww. I always said, as a reason, I cried my way into show business. You cried your way in. Well, that those tears worked. <laughs> they worked. Uh, I loved in your book how you mentioned, you said your approach to life has always been more of an artful improvisation. What do you mean exactly? Unplanned. You know, if I say I want to go right, something always tells me, no, no, Billy, no, 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 no. Go left. It's going with instincts. Mm -hmm. uh, allowing myself to go with my instincts. So it becomes a wonderful improvisational exercise. I think some folks would uh, be surprised to learn that painting was another love of yours. And, and it's yeah, what you went yeah. to school for. Yeah, I mean, I, my sister and I, my twin sister, lady, uh, she and I were very, very good artists in school. We went to music and art high school in New York. And well, she went off to NYU and I got a scholarship to a school, the National Academy of Design and Fine Arts. I spent two years there painting. I was uh, nominated for a Guggenheim. Wow. But so the world of, the cre of creativity has always been my life. I don't really know any other life. Do you think that uh, you, you might still make a book dedicated to your, your paintings? Like, Do we have a Billy D. Williams coffee table picture book in our future yeah i've been working on it for like about 20 years or more really yeah that that's the next thing i'm going to do i'll finish anyway it's telling my life through my painting that would and be I amazing have, yeah it, it will be amazing actually stored away i have over 300 paintings wow so i have a lot to draw from so mr williams you have played more than 100 movie and tv roles in your career but we do have to talk about one that really stands out 
I'm talking about Star Wars Lando Calrissian. Now, when J.J. Abrams asked if you were ready to take the cape up again for, for the film Rise of the Skywalker, at the time you said, J.J., I've never not been Lando. So do you think that, that that's why the character has been such a pop culture icon? Because Lando's really you. Yeah, well, I, I kind of uh, developed that whole character the moment I heard his uh, name, uh, Calrissian. I said, my goodness, Calrissian is an Armenian name. Right. And I said, my goodness, let me see what I can do with that. And then, when, of course, when I got the cape, that kind of solidified the whole adventure in creating this character. You know, I wanted to make him bigger than life. I wanted him to be more than just a black character. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to take it uh, further and make it much more interesting. Yeah, I know I know that you're also often asked about what it's like working in the industry as a black man, especially over the decades, uh, and about the obstacles that you've had to overcome throughout the years. Uh, you've said, though, that you never liked to focus on those struggles and, and on racial differences, especially when it came to this this franchise, right? You, you mentioned it yourself, an Armenian last name, and you had to sort of make it your own. Why was this your preferred approach? And, and how do you think that line of thinking where, you know, I'm not gonna focus on the struggles, how did that contribute to your staying power? The whole idea of staying pissed, pissed off, is not something that's desirable for me. And everybody, we all have our our difficulties, uh, no matter who we are. And certainly, I understand and have experienced those difficulties, but uh, I don't let any of it get my way. I take the negative and make it a positive. Mm -hmm. That's great advice. I don't like, that's the other thing, I don't like giving advice. But this is what I've done with my own life. And, and and you're an inspiration, just sharing that. Someone is going to resonate with that. Um, my personal favorite of yours, when I think of films, it's, it's got to be Lady Sings the Blues. Now, this is, uh, for those who aren't familiar, this tells the story of singer Billie Holiday's life. And it had you co-starring uh, with uh, Diana Ross. You have credited that movie as the one to change your career. And in the book, you actually write, quote, I saw enormous potential in this project, obviously for Diana, but also for me to present a black man in a way that I hadn't ever seen in the movies, end quote. Was that a lot of pressure? No, there's no pressure. <laughs> no, I, I always uh, saw myself in a kind of a romantic lead character, playing a romantic character, and I love romance. But uh, and uh, the kind of movies I used to love uh, back in those years were sophisticated comedies with People like uh, Myrna Loy and, and Melvin Douglas and uh, William Powell. And mm. I love that kind of stuff. And so I always saw myself as a romantic lead. And uh, and I accomplished that in a way that no man of my little brown-skinned boy like me had ever accomplished. What do you think was different about your career after this role? Because you said it well, changed your career. Well, yeah, I became this uh, matinee idol, so to speak. You know, when you have women fainting in front of your face. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it, it said it all. It's very interesting. What was that like for you? Women fawning all over you? Well, women have always fallen all over me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it there. Uh, 100 plus roles later, do you think there are any that escaped you? Like, is there any role that you still would love to play, but you just haven't had the chance? Well, I always thought, I always wanted to do uh, uh, Duke Ellington's life. I thought mm -hmm. I was the only one that could really pull it off because I understand that sensibility, but it never happened. There's still time. We'll see. <laughs> Who knows?
I've met him a couple of times in my life. So, and uh, mm. he was quite intriguing, very charming. And that kind of charm I don't see with a lot of the young men today. Yeah, charm is used to describe it, you, that's for sure. It's, it, it's a kind of inherent charm. Yeah. I want to go back to your childhood for just a moment. You mentioned briefly you were born a twin. What are some of your fondest memories growing up with your twin sister? Oh, Lady was my 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 Florence Nightingale. If anything happened to me, if I scraped my knee, uh, she was always there to, to take care of me. Wow, that's incredible. Uh, she was wonderful, my sister. And she, uh, even the day she was dying, uh, she just worried about me. And she, she was a Jehovah Witness, and she was really upset over the fact that she couldn't convert me. <laughs> she tried. Always praying for me. Sounds like she was acting more like your big sister. Well, she was eight minutes older, <laughs> and she took full advantage. You know, and speaking of your family, I love that even in your late 80s, you still call your parents mommy and daddy, and you're their oh, sonny. Yeah. You're their sonny. <laughs> you know, they were very hardworking. You talk about that all the time. So you were raised by your maternal grandmother. The family, though, was very richly cultured and had interest in opera, as you mentioned, and visual art and, and, and more. Your mother had big dreams for you. Would you say the mission was accomplished? Oh, I, I lived out everything she wanted in her life and as far as the show business is concerned. Yeah. But my grandmother, we all, my father, my mother, my mommy, daddy, grandmother, uh, they raised us. Yeah. It was the whole family, that the whole unit. What do you want to say to your mommy and daddy now? Thank you. Uh, and I miss them dearly. They're watching down on you, for sure. Billy D. Williams, such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much, and you have a blessed day.